Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Welcome in, guys. Welcome in. Know your eyes do not deceive you. I, it is I, Nick Kendall, here joined with Eric Trickle. Um, Lance didn't just suddenly get much better looking. No, I'm just kidding. I have to tease Lance while he's gone. Uh, welcome in, guys. Uh, filling in for Lance while he's feeling a little bit under the weather. And uh, excited to talk some ball. I don't think Eric and I have had a chance to talk much on the stream platform in almost a year. I really feel like it's we did the crazy uh, amount of shows with the draft last year. And then since then, it's been pretty uh pretty sparing so uh good to see you man that i gotta say your collectibles behind you are incredible i i that's an amazing amount of stuff i just got this is this is my wife's office mainly she works from home but um this is what my corner what i get uh so that's (laughs) this this is her desk sometimes i have to do some crazy cleaning before i start the show uh just so i don't have some crazy stuff in the background but how you doing eric good to see you i'm doing pretty good i was gonna say at least you have the broncos represented but i guess i do too if you can see the lighter right here yeah so i got something broncos at least uh i'm go. doing good and yeah i think the last time that we did a podcast together together was after day three of the draft last year yeah i was like chad we want to do a recap day you don't have to <laughs> no we want to we're psychopaths just like everybody joining us in here today football psychos in a good way dylan von arks coming in saying sup broncos country make sure you guys hit the like button on the way in and subscribe if you haven't already dylan doing our job for us thank you so much dylan uh todd ostendorf coming in saying what's up dylan what about the what's up here todd come on your host no i'm just kidding uh granville coming in when is everyone gonna update we have nine picks lol yeah that's uh Good job. Uh, Broncos have now, was it the addition of pick 254 on top of 234? Okay. Then they already had 232. Yes. Or did they have 236? Okay. Late picks. (laughs) Um, Pro Football Focus's uh, mock simulator is already updated uh, because I made two picks today on the morning show with Scott uh, in the seventh round. Back to back Iowa Hawkeyes. Fun time. I have to get that in there. Um, so they were, they were good picks in the end. Uh, Jay Kozad is coming in saying it feels strange that we don't have our top two picks, but having a quarterback spot filled is greatness. Let's have some more superlatives there. What's better than greatness? And I got to say, on, on that note, it was funny because today, I mean, I think you were in the thread. There was a debate going on about punters in this class that I was part of today. And like, one of the guy, one of the other people in the thread made a comment about how it's nice that we we're having the debate about punters and not quarterbacks and too true. Yeah. I mean, I had resulted in giving myself up into what I was calling quarterback nihilism, which was if you don't have the quarterback, nothing freaking matters. So we can talk about edge rushers and offensive tackles, blah, 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 blah. It's all in a exercise in futility because if you don't have the quarterback, you're not doing bleep in the league. And guess what guys? Broncos have the quarterback. So my guest is in the house. Good to see you. Kathy one. I want to give a shout out to our mile high huddle ladies. Always good to see Kathy in here. Kathy always brings some great 
uh, comments and contributions to the show. So good to see you, Kathy. Greg Smith's in the house too. Aloha. Greg rocking that 21 jersey there. Good to see you, Greg. My guess I'll send good evening to everybody. EJ's in the house and good evening, Nick and Eric in Broncos country. Let's ride. Amen. Let's ride. We got Bronco gang coming in. Denver Broncos for life. Good to see you. Um, Cassie also coming in talking about our uh, mile high little folks. Hey guys, hope you're having a good day and a good Friday. Uh, the sun is out. I actually had to close the blinds over here uh, because otherwise I start to look even crazier than normal with the sun blotching my face. So uh, it's really, it is a great day. The, the clouds have parted. We're supposed to get thunderstorms tomorrow, but uh, what can you do? Elias Eli coming in all for drafting the best puncher available in the fourth round. I don't know if I'd take a puncher in the fourth round, but uh, you know what? It's fun that we can even talk about that conversation. And Dylan's saying, I love the shirt, Eric. What's what's going on here? What's the shirt? Yoda. Okay, baby Yoda. Oh, no, no. Grogu. He's got a name. Grogu. Grogu. Well, I'll just call you baby analyst. So I know you have a name, too. <laughs> well, Billy Holman's in the house, too. Hello, Broncos country. Nick and Eric. Luke Wright's in the house, too. Good to see. You. And Billy also saying shout out to Scott as well. Ernie Mays, the one and only Ernie Mays. Hello, Nick and Eric. Let's ride. And uh, guys, obviously, welcome in. This is the DVD uh, podcast, Dove Valley Deep Divers. There's a button I wanted. You guys can follow Eric and I on Twitter. Eric is at Eric Trickle, and I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you're following the podcast Twitter account at DVD underscore DVDD underscore pod and the main mothership account at mile high huddle. If you guys haven't done so yet, if you have a Facebook account, I know some people are leaving the metaverse or whatever, but if you have one, make sure you go to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle, as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. A lot of conversation there, really good community. And these shows go live on those pages as well. So make sure you're following us there, liking those pages and interacting. Like I said, we're out of quarterback purgatory, nihilism, et cetera, et cetera. Football conversations are fun. Again, we can debate the backup running back position. Who cares, right? It's great. Awesome. Heck yeah. And also, number one thing you can do to support us, subscribe, like, and share over on YouTube. And this has been a personal challenge that I'm challenging you guys, Friday audience, new audience guys. There's a lot of names, names and faces I recognize, but please find us on iTunes, Huddle Up Podcast, scroll down, find the ratings, the reviews, etc. Give us a five-star rating and a review. And at some point, I'm going to go back around and treat those like super chats, in essence, where I'm going to get to those, read those. If you have any questions or anything you haven't gotten to, then we'll get to that later. Um, we got uh, Tall, Dark, and Mexican coming in here. All right. I'm interested. <laughs> see y'all in Vegas <laughs> for the draft. Uh, good to see you, Tall, Dark, and Mexican. Also, we got Chase Wilner letting us know the draft is so close. Yes, it is. It's, what is it, like two weeks away? Two weeks from yeah, yesterday. Day two, day two is two is two weeks away from today. So that's the only day that matters now. Broncos don't have a first round pick, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Two weeks from today. That's when the Let's draft go. starts now. Absolutely. Nick coming in too. What a great name. Uh, why can't the season start tomorrow? Can't wait till September. Let's ride. I mean, we got to get to the draft first, and then I'm not gonna lie, I'm going to enjoy my summer months a lot, but make no mistake about it. It's not the it's not the impending avalanche coming down where it's like, okay, we're going to have to talk ourselves into Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke. We know how this ends. It's legitimate, based in reality, excitement and hopes, which has been a long time. Not as long as some teams have to meander the desert, but like, God bless, we're here. Uh, I know there's a lot of Russell Wilson detractors, so to speak, of like, oh, his game is not going to age very well. He's overrated, blah, blah, blah. You're just jealous. I think you're just jealous. The Broncos <laughs> have a quarterback now. We're going to have some fun with it. And, uh, yeah, it Eric, is, and it's, go ahead. it's it's definitely a good time. I mean, I remember how draining last summer was leading up to the season. And it's nice that we don't have to worry about that. I mean, as I mentioned, ha being able to argue about, about punters, being able to talk about the backup quarterback position, be able to dive into these other aspects of this team. It's a great thing. And 
like people can argue all they want about Denver giving up too much for Russell Wilson and they can argue where, what his game's going to be. But the thing is, we don't have to worry about that right now. He still probably has at least three or four years before his game starts to really, you know, fall off. So we still have time. Yeah. And like, since we haven't gotten a chance to talk very much, I know our conversation today is going to be mainly focusing on day two, day three of the draft for the Broncos, but just kind of an overall um, culmination of free agency so far for the Broncos. I'm curious who, uh, outside of Russell Wilson, because no dip, best move so far for the Broncos offseason. I'm going to take the temperature here because we haven't had a chance to talk about this. What has been your favorite move for the Bron- from the Broncos this offseason as far? I mean, it doesn't even have to be afraid in si- signing or anything. It can be not signing somebody for all I care. But what has been your favorite move made by George Payton and the Broncos uh, to date uh, as we kind of are wrapping up free agency and moving full steam ahead into the draft? Um. I mean, the obvious ones would be going with one of the two big ones, um, DJ Jones or Randy Gregory. Yeah. But really, I think my favorite move move has been Quan Williams. Okay. I think that I think that's good value. I do have concerns about his injury history and his age, but I still think that it was good value. I think it was a the a good fit for what they want what they want to do on defense. And as much as I would have liked to see Bryce Callahan back. I mean, beat a little bit younger. I think Bryce Callahan's injury concerns are a little bit more severe. Mm-hmm. So I like the Quan Williams move. Yeah, the Quan Williams move is move kind of made in silence. And they paid him decent money for what the market value is on a slot, especially for his age. But I think for me, it's his physicality from the position. Uh, the way teams are playing more and more heavy slots, the way teams are trying to manipulate and take advantage of those smaller slot defenders. Quan Williams is not big. But my God, is he physical? He almost plays the game like a, a safety there from that slot position. Now, it doesn't have the length or the size of those guys, but the physicality, the ability to come downhill, uh, take on guys. I mean, he he's a dog. I think Broncos country, I keep hearing the conversation, oh, who are the dogs on the defense? Who are going to be those guys? Quan Williams is a dog, man. He is physical. He's going to want to fight you. So I'm really excited about that one. This is one maybe going to be me being a little bit biased, but I really am happy the Broncos were able to bring back Josie Jewell for the contract that they did to solidify the room. It's essentially a one-year deal. If he gets injured again this season, uh, the Broncos then are in a position where they can move on from him with almost no dead cap. It's a really good draft, uh, day two, day th- early day three for the linebacker position as well. So if you need to maybe create a little bit of savings as well and Jewell isn't playing great, you can move on from him. But you really, really solidified the position. And I think at a slightly under market value uh, for what he brings to the table. So I really like that move as well. Another one that's kind of underrated, and this is me cheating, um, but the tandem of Compton and Billy Turner together really, I think amazingly raised the floor of that offensive line. Now are either of those guys great right tackles for the Broncos this year? No, but I'm very much a believer that the offensive line, it's much more of a, First system to fail is when the unit fails rather than one guy being exceptional there. And because you have both those guys in the depth there, cheap one-year deals, scheme fits, uh, I think those are both in tandem are great signings. And pairing those two together, I'd rather that than paying, you know, Teron Armstead the money that he got, especially considering uh, how short-term uh, the deals are. And if they play great this year, guess what? You can move on from them and start to play the compensatory pick game for 2024 and beyond as well. So um, pivoting off that, and we got to, before we get on to the, the worst ones or your least favorite ones, uh, Travis Weber coming in saying, good evening, Nick, Eric, Scott, and Broncos country. Happy Good Friday. Happy Good Friday to everybody. Uh, excited to see Peyton work his draft magic. Thank you so much, Travis. I'm sure this is stars as well, but either way, if it's not stars, then we're just going to give you the uh, 
uh, grandfather clause stars because you give so many stars in general. So yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something that Broncos country needs to brace themselves for uh, this season. The Bron- what the Broncos did last year with the draft was phenomenal, and we can't take away from that. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, be writing anybody in the Hall of Fame just yet after one year. I mean, we were, man, jumping on tables after the first year return of the 2019 class, and that really hasn't played out like we thought beyond that. But uh, last year's draft, as good as it was, is not going to be the norm. It's not going to be a yearly reign going forward with George Payton and the Broncos winning the best draft award in the NFL. The, the lot of the draft is luck, variance, chance, whatever you want to call it, and the good teams instead of a 50-50 coin flip uh, for the draft, there may be 55-45. And that's a tiny margin, but over that many picks over years and years and years, that does tend to make a difference. But I don't think Broncos country, the expectation should not be what we got last year from this class. And that doesn't even go, that goes beyond not having a two top 50 picks like the Broncos had last year with Williams and Sertan. Yeah, and with that, I mean, as you mentioned, the 2019 class is... 2018 really everybody was hyping up the 2018 class but Mm -hmm. the because the early returns we don't know how this class is going to hit this year we don't know Mm -hmm. if these guys are going to hit a sophomore slump we don't know if they're continue to progress as players it's why you really don't want to look at our great draft classes um for in it outside of a three-year span like Mm -hmm. three years later down the road the early returns from the class were fantastic i mean patrick Sertan had far exceeded my expectations I mean, I was, I'm looking wrong on him and Javante Williams was great. Jonathan Cooper played well. Baron Browning exceeded expectations. Quinn Miners exceeded expectations, but yeah, it's not, it's not going to be the norm for it. We'll see a, I think we'll see a fall back to earth a little bit. I still think that we, I mean, hopefully we're still finding some good talents. Um, And on that, I want to step back with one thing since it's kind of draft related when you talked about bringing in Tom Compton and Billy Turner, as well as Josie Jewell, those are really good moves because of what they allow to do in the draft as well, because now you have guys who can start at those positions. You don't have to go out and get a guy and you have smart players there in Josie Jewell, who's been praised for his instincts and his football IQ. You can go take a risk on a guy who kind of needs to grow a little bit in the film room, who has this, these, all these athletic traits and work on developing them and having him kind of Josie Jewell, take him under his wing kind of thing. And so it wouldn't surprise me if we see the Broncos kind of with the draft this year, kind of make a play more so for 2023 than we do really for 2022. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, even the in-house guys, uh, bringing back Josie Jewell should help Baron Browning and Jonas Griffith two height, weight, speed freaks. Maybe there's some questions about their transitioning as far as the run keys and instincts, but with Josie Jewell there, I mean, he was essentially a coach to them last year after he got injured. That's a great, that's a great call. Uh, always a great call. Colby C. Collier coming in here. CCC uh, with the stars. Thank you so much, Colby. Good to see you. Thank And thanks for joining us on your good Friday. Uh, Travis Weber coming in too. I know Denver has nine picks. Do you think Peyton could trade any of those to acquire more picks for 2023? I think it would be the shock of the draft if the Broncos did not move around and in some way start to accumulate more 2023 draft capital. And now there are some borderline guys on the roster right now that you could see the Broncos move on for some late day three capital kind of like we saw the Broncos on the other end of the spectrum last year they traded for Kenny Young last year they traded for Stefan Weatherly you could see the Broncos on the other end of that trading some guys at the bottom of the roster to get some of those late picks but I think it would be beyond shocking if the Broncos didn't walk away with extra 2023 capital because of the picks they have in 2022 I think right now they only have four 
picks in 2020. I can't remember exactly. And none of them are that high. So uh, it's, it's not great. Obviously you make that trade every time, but you need to start use the, the volume that you have from the 2022 class to hopefully give yourself a leg up in 2023 and Broncos with nine picks right now. A bunch of them are clustered together to two. I think those two fourth round picks, I could see both of those easily being traded uh, for some sort of package. So those ones make sense to me. And um, let's keep on working on the comments here. We got Johnny Daisy coming in. Oh, Dennis Woods first, of course. Uh, $5 super. Thank you so much, Dennis. Eric, you want to take this one? Yeah, he says, everyone poo-poo's the punter, but if you have a punter who can flip the field, that's really valuable. Would you consider the kid from San Diego State? And I said this before on Dove LED Drivers back when we had Black Knight on a couple weeks ago where he, in his mock draft, he ended up taking Matarasia, the punter from San Diego State. And if Denver didn't make the move for Russell Wilson, I'd be more willing to go with that higher investment into him because this is a punter and people will laugh, but there's a chance that he goes early day three at the latest, somewhere round four, because he's got so much power in his leg and he's got good accuracy and he's got that ability to flip the field. I mean, he was consistently booming punts of 50 plus yards. So if Denver didn't make that move for it, if it was still a situation of Drew Locke or somebody else, I'd be all for it because having that ability to flip the field would be so valuable. Adding in be, having all those games at, at in mile high, it's valuable. Yeah. With Russell Wilson, I'm a little bit more hesitant to pull the trigger on him just because I think you can use that pick to add somewhere else. And I think for what you have, well, you can look at getting someone cheaper. Um, Jake uh, Camarda, the punter out of Georgia. There's a punter out of somewhere else that I think you could have later, maybe on draft the free agent to come in, come in and compete with Sam Martin. Sam Martin's fine, though. Basically, you'd only be bringing another punter to try to get a little bit cheaper and younger at the position. But hopefully, Denver's not being stuck within you know their own 30-yard line as consistently as they have been the last couple of years. And he kind of hinted at the point I was going to make here where, yes, I agree with you where the style of play maybe doesn't make as much sense to go out and get a punter. But the th- acquiring Russell Wilson now makes it where the math is different. And maybe you're looking to go cheaper at the punter. I mean, Sam Martin, he, ha- he wasn't terrible last year by any means, but you can move on from him uh, this season and save two point. Uh, I think it's 2.25 million off the co- top of my heads. And that's, that seems like a small amount, but that could make the difference for uh, your cap later. And also you're not going to have a punter after 2022, you'd have one that's cheap cost controlled for the next four years. So there's a little bit of accounting and math where you're going to need to be looking to maybe squeeze some positions financially, just because I'm expecting Russell Wilson's contract to be, 40 to 50 million a year. <laughs> so you're gonna have to figure some stuff out. And the um, Jordan stat was the other punter I was thinking of. And one reason why you could l- still look at Matt Arasia, and I don't think NFL teams actually will, he has experience kicking field goals. And so if you really want to, you know, save that extra roster spot and save extra money by being able to move on from your kicker as well, there you go. I don't think NFL teams will actually do it. They like to have their kicker and their punter, but that would be an option NFL teams have. Yeah, no. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. We also got John chance coming in here with the very handsome lip sweater. I must say looking good, John. Um, good to see you. Have a good weekend. Johnny and Daisy coming in as well. Johnny and Daisy with no comment here, but he did say earlier, go Broncos. You guys are the best Johnny. You're the best. We appreciate you. Also have a few more call outs here on some of the, uh, moves that we liked. Uh, Todd Austin dwarf coming in saying bringing in Gregory concerns me when I think Chandler Jones would have been a better way to go. The thing is, I think, what is it? Randy Gregory is four years younger and the contract is exceptionally cheaper, like margins of degrees cheaper. So you're banking on the upside there. And at first I was a little bit concerned about it. Then I saw the contract, not as concerned. 
Then I saw the shoulder surgery. Then I was concerned again. But uh, the way the contract's set up, and when you look at the stats and the data for Randy Gregory, it's not amazing by any means. I mean, he was, I would say he was the third fiddle on that defensive or the defensive pressure unit there because Micah Parsons, Lawrence, uh, what's the first name? It's not, it's not Lawrence Taylor. De- something Lawrence, uh, the edge rusher for the Cowboys. Really talented player, kind of more of their force player. He's probably more of the stir that straws the drink in that front uh, more often than not. And I think probably Scott's getting me here. Demarcus Lawrence. There we go. Really good player. But when you go and watch the tape on Chandler Jones, the traits pop. I mean, even compared to like a lot of times when you watch a guy, it's obvious the more levels you go, like when you, it's obvious to tell a five-star recruit on the high school game, it's easy to tell the first round pick in a college game. Randy Gregory looked like a first round pick with his movement skills and everything playing on an NFL defense. So the traits are really actually that good on tape. I'm, I'm ecstatic and his length. I mean, Ooh, so good. And well, you know, the base stats of it, when you get down into the analytics of Randy Gregory, like it's quite favorable there. High pressure rate, higher than Chandler Jones had last year. And Chandler Jones, I still think he's got some gas left in the tank. How much, though? I don't know. His deal's not super easy to get out of. He's aging. There has been some decline in his play. So that's all concerns there. And But the same thing with Randy Gregory is you have concerns with the injury history. Not so as concerned with the suspension history anymore. And then the soldier, the shoulder surgery. Yeah, there's There's concerns. As long as you can stay out there on the field, I think that Denver will be extremely happy because analytics are very favorable for him. Yeah, I mean, the tape's great, too. He's, he's going to be fun as long as he can stay healthy. The issue is the the edge rusher position for the Broncos with Bradley Chubb as well is very boomer bust. Um, you do not want Cooper, or at least I don't want Cooper, but I definitely, we need to get out on the same page here. We do not want Reed starting a majority of snaps again this year. Not great um, when that happens. Our pal coming in, any players player or players we should keep an eye on for the sixth or seventh round. You're going to like our section coming up a little bit later. So uh, keep stay tuned. We're going to get to that here pretty soon. Um, Kathy saying she was shocked by Randy Gregory thought he, we'd get Jones. My least favorite moves are the big splashes made by Casey uh, Las Vegas and LA. Yeah, those were, uh, those were unfortunate, but what can you do? Um, Tall, dark and Mexican saying, will it be a battle between Bassey and Williams? It will not be a battle between Bassey and Williams. Bassey is going to be battling to make the team not battling for a starting position. Yeah. You don't pay Williams that money, but I don't know what people are getting uh, watching us saying Bassey, but there are so many crossing routes in today's NFL that slot cornerbacks have to keep up with. And did you ever watch the movie uh, Monsters University? You have a kid. You yeah. probably have seen it. The uh, the monster that is the snail that's like trying to keep up and running. That's yeah. what is saying Bassey looks like trying to keep up with crossing routes. He just does not have any juice at all. So um, sorry to, you know, kill him with that but it's just he's not he's not a very good player uh so i'd be shocked i'd honestly i'd be shocked if he made the team if he made the team that to me would be more of an indictment on the depth you have at the cornerback position than anything else yeah i think that his spot will be taken up by somebody to end up getting in the draft or just afterwards yep absolutely absolutely um we got i because i'm on the show i have to gas myself nick is the goat so uh sorry eric no eric we got to give eric his credit eric does crazy amount of work for mile high and also scott an iron man for all the shows as well i'm just here to blab and um make sure my head can get even bigger there we go demarcus lawrence demarcus lawrence thank you guys so much i see i'm an idiot sometimes travis with the support as well thank you so much um let's keep it going here um kb82 coming in saying what do you guys think callahan's price tag will be eric what do you think i think that it'll probably drop now but i think at the time it was more than what quan williams got i think that's why more than think that's pro- a big reason why Denver went the way they did. Yeah. Uh, 
probably dropped. Denver might still be interested. I doubt it though. I, I think that he'll be looking at somewhere around five to six million on an average per year basis yeah. at this point. The injury history makes it in, uh, interesting. His age is he's over 30, isn't he? Um, he might be 30, 31 or approaching that. Um, and there's a massive market deficiency at the cornerback position when he's on the field. He's a very good coverage player. I do think that maybe the, the size and the physicality, not that he isn't physical, but He's not as physical as Quan Williams. So those are some concerns as well for him. But um, we have uh, coming in here um, from Travis Weber again. Good question. That also, that was, guys, Kenneth Booker. Of course, I just see the KAB82. When I see somebody that I know who has using an alias, sometimes I think they maybe don't want their name used. So that's where my brain goes. But <laughs> we know that's Kenneth. So there you go. Also, Kenneth's social security number is no, – I'm just kidding. Let's move on. Travis <laughs> Weber. Uh, so I know Denver has holes to fill, but how many players are De- – is Denver considering to draft compared to trading for draft capital for 2023? I think that 2023 draft capital stuff is going to more or less work out organically where you're looking to trade down. And rather than getting, you know, another fifth round pick this year, it's like, ah, make that fifth in 2023. How about a 2023 fourth instead? Those are the kind of moves that you're talking about there. Um, Positions the Broncos should be looking to draft though. I mean, really it's arguably, it could be everything uh, given where the Broncos are drafting, uh, I would say the biggest spots where they could use an infusion of talent is a developmental right tackle who has a chance to start, a center who can compete to start, maybe running back to uh, five technique and edge rusher and cornerback depth. Other stuff, you know, you just let the board fall to you. And if there's a guy you love that fits your scheme and fits your system, run, run with it. Doesn't matter. That's the luxury you have right now with what you did in free agency. Uh, but those are the positions where I'm like, long-term value positions, et cetera, et cetera. Ones that I would be uh, considering investing in. And how many players, um, I mean, you mentioned earlier about players that they could eventually move and bottom of the depth charts. I mean, I think that's where they'll get a lot of their 2023 capital. I, I would expect them to get a couple guy, like a couple extra picks throughout the draft from moving down. But I think that they'll look at, you know, training camp, much like they did with Benson, much like they did with, um, the other guy they traded in training camp, can't remember who it was, um, to get us a little bit additional um, additional capital. That would be the moves I would expect to making. Jerry Judy's name, I mean, we've, I've talked about it on here before. His name has been floated around as a potential move. Uh, not sure what happens during the draft. If it happens, it'd probably be more like trade deadline ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, they'll they'll get the they'll get their draft capital one way or another for twenty twenty three. Yeah, they'll have to get some. It'll make sense. I could see them. I mean, a guy like Wood Cushionberry, if he's on the outside looking in, you can get some capital for him. Cheap cost controlled player. It's two years left of control. Might have more value in a power scheme than a wide zone scheme. Uh, maybe somebody, the same argument for an attain Moody. Maybe McTelvin Ajim isn't making this roster for some yeah. reason, and uh, somebody else looks to bring him in. So definitely some players to consider there. Uh, Todd Ostendorf coming in. Uh, it seems like the Broncos whose stock has fallen the most is Michael Ojemudia. What do you guys think? Uh, Eric, I'll kick this to you first, but I have some thoughts and opinions on this. I think that he's not getting the hype from, you know, the outside, but I think there's a lot of like for him, you know, inside Denver. Uh, speaking with a couple people, it seems like that one of the reasons why Denver took him earlier than they did or, or when they did, what, 77 overall when they had 83, right? Yeah. I mean, by now, I think it's pretty well known. Denver at 77, they took Michael Ojemudia, obviously. Then they tried to move up for Matt Hennessy, the center out of Temple, right? Yep. And they ended up 
not being able to do that, they went there. And the reason why they went with Ojemudi at 77 was because that there was su- supposedly a team moving up to try to get him, that team being the Rams. There was a lot linking him there. And I guess that uh, Evero was is a big fan of his and still thinks he can make him work. So I think there's a lot, there's still a lot of um, love for him inside the building. Yeah, I think, I mean, unfortunately, the reality is for the cornerback position, it is a very volatile position year to year. And we have one specifically who has only had one healthy season in his entire career in Ronald Darby. So you need to expect Darby to probably miss what would you say? What would you set the over under on games missed from Darby? Four well, or his, six? I was going to say, isn't isn't his like average miss per year like at five? I think it is, and like you could have an injury early, so I think it's probably safer to put it higher than lower. Yeah. So I'd probably like set it at six. And uh, and it's been a lot of lower body injuries too, and those can always yeah. end up taking a little bit longer. So yeah, yeah definitely. If we're setting it, I'd set it at six. And... Yep. And that's a big reason why cornerback is a position that the Broncos could take at 64. And you'd hear zero qualms from me about it. But Ojemudia, um, also another thing about him is last year he had a, a bleeder as his hamstring, which he tried to combat all season. And it pretty much cost him the whole year. I thought he actually looked really good in the Kansas City game. Uh, I know one game sample size, that was not Patrick Mahomes' best game. He had trouble against Vic Fangio's defenses historically, and that was one of them. But I thought Ojemudia looked pretty good. So I don't think we should be sleeping on Ojemudia just because we're not talking about him right now. It's just, I think it's more so because he's forgotten due to the injuries last year and all the bright, shiny new things that are in the secondary that everybody's excited about. But Ojemudia is a good player. I would not sleep on him. Patrick Sertan getting all that attention with the year he had. And so, yeah, anybody under, anybody under him is going to be kind of, you know, under the radar. Yeah. No, absolutely. So he's missed uh, 29 games in seven seasons, 4.08. But I know the year for Washington football team, or maybe it was the last year where they had the the name <laughs> that we can't say anymore. Uh, that was his first year where he's never missed a game. So that's something to keep an eye on. It's just that's the norm for him. Cornerback also, like I said earlier, is a very volatile position. Year to get like cornerbacks, maybe a singular great cornerback in one season is more valuable than a singular edge rusher. But if you look over like five seasons, that cornerback's play is going to be like this, where the singular edge rusher is going to be steady Eddie. So different kind of conversation there as far as the overall valuation. Michael coming in here saying, click those thumbs up Broncos country for the Dove Valley deep divers on the way out tonight. Uh, Don't go anywhere yet. We still got another half hour to hang out and talk, but uh, absolutely. We should get in here. Mike S coming in. Do you think the Broncos should draft a center? I'm going to answer this one pretty quickly. Uh, Yes, they should. Not only because... Lloyd Cushenberry has been a bottom five center the last few years, uh, bottom 10. I know he's still cost control. You have him here, but it's also a pretty good class uh, where the Broncos are going to be picking, looking for centers. And that's an area where right now there are not many avenues for the Broncos to improve their offense via the draft going forward. At least in my opinion, I think center is probably the most tangible one. I know a lot of people are fixating on the tight end position. I think a lot because of proximity to a, what many consider the number one tight end of the class. But I think center is probably actually the position that you can have the big, biggest impact of improving the offense from uh, what it is right now to after the draft. Yeah. And I mean, you'd mentioned it. Lloyd Cushenberry, his rookie year, he was a bottom three center. He was a bottom five center last year. He hasn't taken these big steps forward that you hope to start seeing. Questionable scheme fit. And this year, when evaluating the center, the guys who are most likely to be centers in the NFL, and that might be their best position almost all of them are just natural fits inside the outside zone scheme that's coming to Denver. So I think that it could be a good, good time for Denver to try to maximize the value of Lloyd Cushenberry 
and try to get him as you know like this upside sell and while bringing in somebody who's a better fit for their scheme and selling Cushenberry to a team who uses more of that power inside inside uh, zone gap stuff that he's a better fit for as there aren't many available centers that are through the draft that are good for that. Yeah, no, that's a good call. I think there's a good number of centers in this class that the Broncos could consider as well. So uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how it happens, but they're going to, they brought in a bunch of centers. I know a lot of people are like, look at Lloyd or look at George Payton last year. They brought in guys they didn't draft. Yeah. That doesn't, if they draft somebody from that list, it means as much as if they didn't draft somebody from that list. It's just filling out your evaluation and your board with some guys you still had questions on. They could just as easily, well, I guess not just as easily draft somebody from their list because it's 30 versus like 300, but uh, still very likely to take a guy from that list yeah. uh, at the end of the day. Um, we also have Nick coming back in with a interesting topic here. Resign Melvin Gordon. Uh, shout out to Melvin Gordon. Also shout out to Nick for using the proper resign. I see a lot of resign Melvin Gordon. <laughs> Typically you see resign more around uh, people in politics than the, the quarterbacks or anything like, or running backs, or anything like that. But resign Melvin Gordon. Where are you at on this, Eric? Have you ever heard anything about the market for Melvin Gordon? Are you in or out? What's going on? It, it all depends on his cost. Like before free agency, there was a lot of conversation of him like, no, I don't know if it was probably coming from his agent side of thinking he can get about six million on average per year basis. That I was way out. Now it seems to be like two, maybe three million on average per year, per ba- average per year basis for one, maybe two years. I'm fine with that. I think at this point it's going to be, we'll see how the draft goes out. We'll see if we get our running backs. I know Baltimore's in there, and Baltimore's a team to really watch with them. If Baltimore doesn't land manage to land a running back that they want in the draft, I think that they'd go back heavy in on Melvin Gordon, and I think Denver could be the same way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I would be totally fine with uh, Melvin Gordon coming back. I know that a lot of people – I almost feel bad for Melvin Gordon. I know there was a kind of a movement last year where he spoke out being like, you know, why does nobody want me uh, kind of thing, and it's just bad circumstances. I think he came in. Uh, he get, was given a big contract, and everyone is like, well, we have this Philip Lindsay guy here. He's he's a threat to Philip Lindsay. Why would you pay him instead of Philip Lindsay? I'm glad we're out of that uh, sphere now. Uh, but now it's he's taking away carries from Javonta Williams. That's our that's our new boy. We traded up for a running back in the second round. Why would you do that? The way the Broncos are set up right now, and this is an unfortunate reality. I know a lot of people in the media sphere are talking about you know letting Russ cook, you know, being a 70-30 pass to run team. I don't know if that's a viable option with the routes that Russell Wilson has at his disposal and how much he doesn't use the middle of the field. So I think it's probably going to be closer to a 55-45 split when it comes to run and pass. Uh, you might disagree with me. Let me finish the point. But my point coming around is the running back position is valuable because since Russell Wilson doesn't use the middle of the field as much, you're probably going to need the running backs in uh, multiple solid running backs to uh, utilize that and make defenses respect the middle of the field, play more cover one or single high safety usage and pack the box. Yeah. It's not that I disagree with your point. I actually agree completely. I just think that my, my point was going to be, I think the whole let Russ cook is kind of taking on a life of its own from what is actually wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, during his time in Seattle, they ran the ball on first down, like almost 80, 90% of the time. Yeah. I think that he, he just, he wants, you know, more options on first down not a oh we're just going to run the ball basically every time i think the let russ cook aspect of is more balance on all downs instead of being a very heavy run run pass offense like seattle was that's that's what that's how i take the let russ cook aspect of it and not this high rate of passing for sure i think a lot of people want him to become 
Tom Brady or Drew Brees, where it's like the 70, 30, 65, 40 or 65, 35 kind of split. And I just don't know if that's going to be the case because like the dagger is not in his wheelhouse because of, let's say it, his height. I mean, you just that, that you don't see that route from him. So he probably need to be balanced. And I think that running back to position is actually pretty valuable uh, for the Broncos. You're going to utilize those guys. And also Javante Williams, you want him to be peak healthy, you know, a lot of energy coming in, especially towards the playoff times. You don't want to use him up. He not only didn't, was he not a bell cow last season? He was not a bell cow in college either. They had Michael Carter there getting a lot of carries. So I would rather maybe get a little bit of redundancy and protect that room and get another cost controlled young running back uh, in there. And I saw somebody, somebody came in here, Jayco's ad saying uh, running backs are turning into a dime a dozen for real running backs on a rookie contract drafted rounds two to round four are still very valuable. Uh, it's just the issue is you don't want to take them in the first round and you don't want to pay them second contract. So there's nuance to that. The running backs don't matter is not really true. It's just, you can find bodies and whatnot. You don't need to use premium picks on it. And uh, back to uh, this comment here, Todd talking about positions that are losing value in today's NFL. Uh, he says that I think pick 64 needs to be a linebacker. Best chance for us to get an impact player. Uh, what do you think about this? Eric, you have any thoughts? 64 um, linebacker. It, it it's tough because that might be you know the best player available it might be at linebacker because of how the position of linebacker is valued and the way this class looks i mean this is a talented linebacker class it really is yeah it would really depend on what linebackers are there i don't expect them to be but if chad Mooma's there i wouldn't mind that pick whatsoever i think at that point it's good value because i haven't graded higher than 64th overall pick um but, I mean, if you're coming at me with Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin, not for me. Darian Beavers at 64, not really for me. Um, Brian Asamoah out of um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Not, not for me. Like, Troy Anderson, maybe I could live with it, but there's been some stuff coming out about his shoulders. I mean, he uh, had uh, shoulder injuries in colleges when he was playing running back that – there's been some red flags popping up for that throughout this process. So he had reconstructive shoulder surgery in high school as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so it'd be rough for me, but that athleticism, it's hard to pass up on, but it's, it'd be rough for Troy Anderson for me. Yep. I don't know if I agree with you the best chance to get us an impact player, but it might be the best player on the board when the Broncos pick. So I don't have an issue with that. I'm hoping for a defensive pass rusher or a defensive back or an offensive tackle, but uh, the board is the board. And unfortunately I, I'm almost, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to refuse to do the pro football focus simulator anymore. I think it's the best one, but I always hate the bleeping options. N- none of the guys that I like are ever there. Maybe partially that was because Scott was picking before me every single time on this morning's show, but I digress there. Um, let's keep it going here. Phil McLaughlin coming in with the support. Thank you so much, Phil. If you have any comments for us, make sure you get at us. Uh, we appreciate you, Phil. Um, Elias has an idea as the order. It's cornerback, middle linebacker, and offensive tackle in that order. Just get me good players. Guess what? If the, this is maybe going to be a hot take here for some people, maybe this is a, a little bit will upset some people. But like, if the best player available at pick sixty four is Sky Moore, God bless. Give me Sky Moore. I would be so much about that. And if that means that Jerry Judy and some guys are walking on eggshells and they have to be good next year, good. I don't care. But play better. Uh, be good. Um, that's an. Uh, Kayleon Green saying, my boy, Nick. Oh, he's, I thought he was talking about Sky Moore. He's talking about me. Good to see you, Kayleon. Um, this is the this is the sniff test here, Eric. Without looking too closely, what's Kayleon Green's uh, profile picture of? 
I can't even tell looking at it. Okay, he's smoking a cigar. We thought it was like a fluffy dog or like a cat like laying on its back or something. It looks, like, it a... looks like somebody with their hair over their face. <laughs> it's a sick picture, but <laughs> I just like, like to tease. I like to tease Kayleon. Good to see you, Kayleon. Um, circling back to our topic earlier, real quick, the most, your least favorite signing for the Broncos this draft uh, or this free agency cycle. I'll go mine first real quick. I really like the guy. The contract, though, is massive guarantees, and I'm not sure he's super versatile across multiple techniques, and it's DJ Jones. I really like what they brought for him, but they did not get a, they did not get a value on him. You know, they paid premium price for him. And I don't love that. He's not the lengthiest guy. I don't know if he can play across multiple gaps as well. Um, still a very good signing. I'd give it a B minus or, a, and he's going to be good. It's just the way the contract is set up. You don't have a lot of flexibility. You are with him. And I don't know if he is super duper versatile. Yeah. They paid a premium to address a very specific weakness yep. with with DJ Jones. And it's fine. Um, not ideal. I really hope that he's being used inside as a zero one, maybe even two eye technique. I don't yeah. want him farther outside. Yep. Um, I can live with it just because that was such a big weakness for them yeah. that they needed to address it. Uh, my least favorite signing is Josie Jewel because I have to hear you go on about it. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh... <laughs> no, it's actually... Honestly, as much love as he gets, I'm I actually not a super big fan of Kareem Jackson coming back for what he did. Hmm. It's a position where I'd rather go a little bit younger, and he's starting to show those obvious signs of decline. I, I would have rather gone a little bit younger at the position. I would have waited until after the draft just to see how the board falls. Exactly. I think there's a lot of safeties that uh, are very talented in round two and round three. Uh, but having Kareem Jackson back, especially if it's like, what is it? It's a $2.5 million that can escalate to five. Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's, it's not a terrible deal or anything. It's just like yeah. all these deals, like they all have their pros and cons. It's one where just go a little bit younger, go a little bit cheaper. I mean, and if, like you said, if it was after the draft, I could probably live with it a little bit more with yeah. how, especially with how the safety class is. It's really good class. It's a good class. Uh, Absolutely. So let's get into this. We're talking day two and day three, and uh, I'm going to let you take the table or the wheel first, as far as the guys that you actually, you lead it off because I, want to make sure that I don't misunderstand uh, what you were wanting to do with this topic. So basically what we were talking about, what we were going to do after, you know, late notice from Lance that he wasn't going to be able to make it was that I'm going to give, uh, give three players since Denver has three picks day two, um, basically kind of looking at one for each of the three picks. And basically Nick, after I give my reason for it, Nick will kind of counter me with somebody day three who can kind of bring what they do. and might be, you know, that, that, that uh, bargain bin p pick or that backup option later on. Um, and my first guy here, then yeah. you're not, not all is lost. You can find a similar skill set yeah. for discount later for sure. And my first one, I mean, we were, we talked about center a lot, so may as well kick it off with cam Jurgens out of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. He's one of the guys that, I mean, I think he's a great scheme fit. I love his attitude. There's technical issues and there, there's issues with his size. I mean, he doesn't have the ideal size for even being a center in it. And, with it too i mean he makes his own beef jerky and that goes well with dj jones and his barbecue sauce company so maybe we can get a collaboration off the field there but no i, re I really like cam jerkins he's my number two center in this class um i've had a couple people come uh come at me with how highly i view him but i think it was daniel jeremiah in one of the podcasts was talking about how he's much closer to tyler linderbaum and sometimes even have above him than i think most people realize and it, that sounds to be the case so Cam Jurgens, I'm, I'm not sure I'd go center at 64, but you know, if he's there at 75, 
being able to upgrade over Lloyd Cushionberry, find a better fit, and be able to potentially flip Cushionberry, I'd be all for that. Yeah, I think those teams that Daniel Jeremiah was talking to are probably gap-centric schemes. <laughs> but uh, no, Cam Jurgens would be good in either scheme. He's got the size and the athleticism, but Tyler Linderbaum is very niche. Now, he's very good at what he does, but he's very niche. Um, so for me, there was a couple center options here for the the bargain bin kind of guys. And this, I want to add the preface to this where I tried to find bargain bin guys, but all it takes is one team to love a guy and be like, Nick, you said this guy was going to be available day three, and he went pick 84. Yeah. Okay, well, that team maybe liked him more than what the uh, overall uh, evaluation for him was. So, like, I'm not including in this uh, conversation here, I'm not including Cole Strange. I'm not including Dylan Parham. I think both those guys go are uh, there's another center two whose name is escaping me. I'm not including those guys because I think they are going to go probably round three, probably 20 picks after. Maybe one of them falls to round four, but I'm going to give a shout out here to uh, Donovan West, center from Arizona State. He is one of the younger prospects in this class. He's not even turned 21 yet. He'll turn 21, I think, almost like the day of the draft. Um, very good mover. Uh, athlete has similar length to Jurgens as well. Did not test as well as Jurgens, but I think the tape shows a very good mover. And I think you can probably get him round five. Maybe, maybe he goes round four. Again, it's one of those things where it's all it takes is one team. But I think round five, you probably get Donovan West. And I think he's got starting upside as a, a zone blocking center. So, um, not as good as Cam Jurgens, obviously, but I think Donovan West is one that doing the mock draft simulators, I see him a lot. I think he's rated higher on some than others, but uh, he's one that I think day five, if he's there, I'd be ecstatic with him. Not very much positional versatility, which is something that I like for drafting interior offensive linemen, but still good player. I'd be interested in him. I'm curious if the other one was Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. Zach Tom was one of them. Also, uh, Luke Fortner, I considered as well uh, from uh, Kentucky, another versatile guy. But I'm talking more. I think Donovan Smith is closer stylistically to Cam Jurgens than those other two guys as well. Uh, so a different, definitely interesting one. Let's get to Kathy's comment here real quick because we had that up there for a second. There we go. I got it, Scott. Uh, hey, Kathy, good to see you. Hope all is well there in Germany. Uh, any chance that Winfrey, Perry on Winfrey, uh, defensive lineman from Oklahoma, is really falling to around 60 to 64. Would he be a defensive end in Ejiro Evero's system or a defensive tackle? He's going to be playing not, I mean, defensive end, defensive tackle. Let's just call him interior defensive line. He's going to be playing five technique, four, four eye technique, essentially what Shelby Williams was uh, for the Broncos. Think about it that way. I think it's a little easier. So what Shelby Williams was, there is a uh, Bob McGinn out there who's been covering teams for years and always gets a lot of, uh, quotes from teams that there's some scouts that really do not like Perry on Winfrey, but with his length, his athleticism, his ability to penetrate, he would interest me. I don't love his anchor. I think he's pretty high cut, uh, which concerns me a bit for the gap and a half. I think he really needs to be pinning his ears back and getting into the backfield, which I'm not sure if Evro is going to do that or not based on the assortment of schemes. He's been a defensive back coach under, but uh, at 64, if they like the character and everything. If that one scout, if that one that's scout and outlier, I don't have an issue with the value because I think he's a good pass rusher and his length is no joke. I mean, it's like 35 and three eighths or something. Yeah. And I mean, talking to people, there was definitely some issues with Winfrey with the coaching staff. He didn't like how he was used the best. Um, he wants to be one who's more on the attack. So if they're going to ask him to not, you know, be super aggressive as a defensive lineman, that might create issues. I'm much higher on Perry on Winfrey than Nick is. There's definitely an issue with his pad level. He's got to keep that low during his attack. Otherwise, he will get washed downfield. I'm a big fan of his. And if he's there at 64, I'd definitely be go for it. I mean, defensive line for me is a is a massive need. 
Um, I'd have to balance out the value of Perion Winfrey at 64 versus Uwazariki out of um, Iowa State a little bit later because I'm a huge fan of his as well. Mm. Both of them, I think, they'd bring definitely different skill sets to what the Broncos to the Broncos, but they can still help them in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, now, Eric, I'm trying to think of the guys, and Scott's pulling up the video of uh, Scott was obviously down in Mobile. They're live doing it live, and Perion Winfrey was the I think he was the player of the game. Um, in that, uh, was he, was it boy Amafe? I think it was Perry on Winfrey. Yep. It was Perry on Winfrey. Yep. Player of the senior bowl. So good for him. Good player. Um, I will say that the quote from Bob again, that scout does get put, just make my guard go up. Maybe it's me being guarded ever since I went through all the, uh, the red flags that was Malik McDowell. So I'm now the, uh, lengthy athletic pass rushing defensive tackles. Like, uh, somebody said that he's kind of a, you know, a, a tool like well maybe my guard should be paying attention to that now go ahead eric so, so we just got to figure out a perry on winfrey brushes his teeth yeah god malik mcdowell talked to him at the combine worst breath i ever smelled in my life oh my god that, that's one of the good things about masks these days right you're not smelling people's <laughs> breath as much but anyway i digress um my guy that i was going here day two value i think we should go with the guy who i think is least likely to be there and that's J- uh, jalen petrie and i'm really curious what your day three value is for this guy because i don't know there are I don't know if there are many Jalen Petries in this class outside of him. So that's, this is a hard one. It was, this was the one I had the most difficult with the other two. I looked at them. I'm like, Oh, I've got somebody right in mind. Yep. I had to go over all my notes and the, the one I came to that's probably that I could find as the closest to him is Quentin Lake out of UCLA. Interesting. Not quite the athlete, not quite the athlete, not quite used the same way, but more so that both players are praised for their football IQ and their ability to pick things up quickly and be able to you be able to do multiple different things in in a scheme, and yeah, I mean Petrie. I mean it, it was difficult finding somebody that really can bring what he does, just because he's I, I, really. I mean he's a star. I mean that was his position at Baylor, and there's not many real stars in this class. So it was a little, it, it was definitely difficult. He's a good player. I think he's a new age player as well, but there's always a little bit of projection with that kind of thing as well. So like Jalen Petrie, if he's there at 64, Oh, the Broncos brought back Kareem Jackson. I don't care. Well, I'd draft him. I'd run to the table and take him good player. Um, okay. You're up. You're up next. Yeah, I know you had a couple more players. So talking about defensive linemen, Perry on Winfrey was definitely interesting. I don't expect him to be there. So I didn't go that way. I went with another one. You know, there's lately been a little bit of love for Alabama out of Denver. So Fidarian Mathis, I like him. I mean, I don't, there's a lot of tools that you can work with with him and develop. And I think he's just, he's a coming in. I think at the very least, you'll end up with a solid defensive lineman that could be part of a rotation that has potential for so much more. Um, not sure he really reaches like, you know, perennial Pro Bowl type talent. But I mean, he's one of those players that you just love to have. Coaches love him, scouts love him. And looking at what the Rams did and if Evero is going to kind of bring that in and do what they did defensively up front. I think that he is a really good fit for for that aspect of it and just really balances out the line overall. Yeah, he's a really good one. I had a hard time with uh, finding his skill set later on, too, just because some of the nose tackles in this class, but Perry on Winfrey has incredible length. I think he's like 34 and a half arm length. And you have guys like uh, Neil Farrell Jr., who is like 31 or 32. Uh, and I, John Ridgeway, do you think John, I thought John Ridgeway at first, but then I'm like, God, he's borderline round three, round four. I'm going to go a little bit further. Um, and I went with Otito 
Ogbania. I know that he didn't exactly play nose tackle, but the I think he's got the body type and athleticism and the length where he can become a two-gapping nose tackle with some juice as well. Definitely developmental in that regard. The UCLA did not use a pure nose tackle uh, very much at all, but he played primarily he played the shaded uh, most interior defensive lineman has the athleticism has the length. I think, I think he's one that you're talking about depth down there. It intrigues me. There's also guys way down the line, like Noah Ellis or uh, McCall from Kentucky, but I wanted a little bit more juice. Why not? I wanted to give a shout out to Antonio uh, Ogbanya. So this one's interesting because I actually view Mathis differently than you. I don't think he's a nose tackle in the NFL. Interesting. I think he is almost not exactly ideal, but I think he's a good option to replace what you got out of Shelby Harris with hmm. better run defense and not quite as much juice as a pass rusher. Interesting. I see him as a two gapping nose one type and mainly going to occupy blockers as much as possible. I need a little bit more. I want, I don't think he has the lateral agility of Shelby Harris. And that's a big part for me for that five technique and four. eye. the length helps no doubt about that. Um, but I, I do think that the ability to twist and stunt from that position, I don't see that from Mathis. I think he's more of a plug just personally. Um, very big man. He's and coaches rave about him at Alabama too. So really good. Let's get to a few comments here before I list my next guy here. Um, so there was a comment about Tyler Algier and, uh, the likes of Pierre strong at round three. I like both of those running backs a lot. I'm not taking either of them day two. I think for me, if, if, uh, if Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall are there at 64, we're having a conversation after that. I'm not taking a running back until day three. I do like what, uh, God, what's his face? The, the one the Broncos just brought in for a visit today. James Cook. Uh, James Cook. I do like what he brings to the table. I don't think I like him enough to take him at 75, maybe 96, but I'd rather see if he can be there at 115 or 116. And I'd rather play the value. You're talking about the value game. I'd rather play the value game there with, if you want James Cook's skill set, wait uh, around and take Tyler Beatty uh, around later, who I think broke even more tackles. Doesn't have the same amount of juice as uh, Cook does, but a little, I think a little bit better balance. So um, interesting player there. I also, I really like Tyler Algier. Uh, I think he had the second most yards after contact of in all of college football last year behind Kenneth Walker, who's my running back one. Uh, so good player, maybe not explosive, but if you're looking to make teams respect you with putting players in the box, Tyler Algier, I think is a pretty good North South kind of uh, banger, like 5'11", 225 pounds. I mean, that's, that's a great body type. That's, that's what you want for a running back. That's what I want for a running back. Um, Circling back around now, my next guy, that I wanted you to do was, uh, oh, one of my favorites at pick 64. You're not as big of a fan. That's okay. Um, I really like him because he, Broncos don't have anybody like this. Um, and that's Josh Pascal, Ed Rusher from Kentucky. I know he's a little bit older, but his, I think he had one of the five fastest 10 yard splits of any edge rusher in this class at like 265 pounds, which is insane. Cause you're talking about the guys with like two forties running with him too. He also was in like the 80th percentile in both his jumps Biggest detriment for me, age isn't great. He's not the bendiest player in the world. And uh, his arm length. I wish he was a little bit longer for being a power player. But at 64, I'd be totally fine with him. Also, another guy who is all character. I mean, beat cancer, came back, became a team captain. Uh, has, I think he's first place in the SEC in tackles for loss over the last two years as well. So very good and, player. I think he's closer to George Karloftis than a lot of people are giving credit. And if I remember right, he's like one of only like two or three players to be three-time captains for Kentucky. Yep. So um, also his commercial for the pediatric dentist, <laughs> grade A. So good. So um, looking at this, I mean, it's definitely a little bit later pick. Obviously, day three, so much to work with with him. But he is so raw from a football standpoint. 
which is where a big difference. But when you look at the size and the way you can use them, I mean, Alex Wright seems to be that poor man, Josh Pascal, to me. Um, I think that you have that ability, not as much ability with Wright to stand him up out of a two-point stance as you do with Pascal. But I think you have you can potentially get him to be a similar player for him if you can develop that technique. Didn't test out as well as people thought he would at, um, at the Combine, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. But he still tested out fine. And it's just really, again, it just comes down to developing that technique. Pascal's more of a technician at technician. So it was um wasn't going for that aspect, but the, the size and what you can do with them, that's the that's the bargain bin for guy for me there. Awesome. Yeah, good call. Uh good player. Uh we got John Clay coming in here with a five dollar super. Thank you so much, John. Make sure you guys are getting those in for your chance to get your name in the raffle for the jersey giveaway for this month. And I'm guessing I know what player a lot of people are going to want for that. If you haven't already gotten your Russell Wilson jersey, why not put it on Mile High Huddle's credit card? Actually, put it on Chad's credit card uh, by getting in the raffle and getting your superstars and super chats uh, in here. John Clay is in here now. Evening, gents. Does moving riser to right tackle make sense and allow the Broncos to draft a linebacker at 64 without feeling guilty? You shouldn't feel guilty no matter what. If it's a good player there at 64, you're not talking about a top 10 pick. The positional value conversation kind of, it changes a bit the further you get away from pick number one. And at 64, I think pretty much everything besides punter and kicker should be on the table, really, um, if they're good players. But uh, moving Reisner to right tackle, what do you think here, Eric? I don't think that's probably an option, but uh, do you have any thoughts on that? If we didn't see it happen with the injuries that took place and being all right on the interior last year, we're not seeing it. I think Reisner, is it's he's got to step up as the left guard for the Broncos in the scheme which is what he was drafted to play in. So hopefully we see him step back up because the last two years have been a little bit rough. But yeah, I I don't think that moving on the right tackle is an option for them. If it, if it hasn't happened by now, it's not happening. Yeah, I thought uh, I was pretty hard on Reisner early in the season last year, but I thought his game improved pretty dramatically as the season went on. Um, I thought he really struggled the first like quarter, six games of the season. And his pass protection especially was uh, pretty good. I think he's covering up a lot for struggles with Lloyd Cushenberry next to him, uh, to be completely honest. But this is another thing, too. I know that you, there's more money on the table for offensive tackles, but you're talking about moving Reisner from left guard, a position that he's been getting comfortable in, to right tackle in a contract season. I'm not sure he would take that super kindly um who knows i mean god he's probably gonna say he'll do whatever but maybe his agent would be pissed about it so i think it's probably not likely you went out there you signed compton you brought back calvin anderson you paid uh the likes of a uh, billy turner as well i don't think you're probably going to be moving Reisner. if, if reisner moves to right tackle this season something terribly went wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. for the broncos so that's hopefully you don't see that yeah now getting back to this for the last one that i had i did it more so to kind of pester at you you know Reason should be obvious. Cam Taylor Britt, the corner out of Nebraska. I know your favorite college, so. Yeah, man, the uh, the bug eaters, right? No, that's the, the old school. I like to give them a dig on that one. This one I had a hard time with uh, because I think there's a number. I mean, cornerbacks, there's a lot of bodies typically that you can go with here. And I also wasn't sure where there's some guys that I like that I'm like, I think this is probably a, you know, guy who could go very end of day two that some people have going round five. So um, a name that immediately came to mind for me was Alonta Taylor. I know that some people have him day two, but then Jordan Reed just had him going to the Broncos in the fifth round. Uh, So he's one that comes to mind for me. I really like what he does. Very physical player. Um, I think he can play. He mainly played boundary at Tennessee, but he could play safety. He could play slot as well. And I think Cam Taylor Britt has a little inside outside ability as well. And a good tackler. Um, Another name that comes to mind for me that I wrote down here is a, 
the, the pit cornerback whose name now is escaping Amari Mathis. Yes, I was like, it's not Federian Mathis. We just talked too many Mathises, Mathi, <laughs> if you will. Um, very, a lot of penalties, but very physical. And you are doing a lot of projecting here as to talking about inside outside, but the body type, physicality, the explosiveness, the ball skills, et cetera, et cetera, all to me really project to somebody who, again, it's a discount version of Cam Taylor Britt. I've seen some people mock him round three. I've seen some people mock him round six. Where's he going to go? God only knows, but he's one to keep an eye on. I think he's kind of, slip between the cracks in this um this draft cycle he's been a pretty good cornerback and it's funny that you mentioned mathis he was actually i almost had him as my third option here because i think that he not super early but somewhere between 75 and 100 that's where i have him valued okay where do you think about alante taylor um i think he's somewhere in that same range i could actually pull it up real quick i have him as an early fourth at the moment okay so not quite my top 100 i think he's just inside my top 125 and the last one I wrote down here, because again, I'm trying to go with play styles and body types. Like it wouldn't make sense. Oh, Tyreek Woolen. Then you're going to talk about Marcus Jones. Like, no, that's <laughs> might as well be listed as different positions, uh, given their body types and what they do. Uh, but Jalen Armoire Davis, do you have any thoughts on him? Cause I've seen him everywhere from round two to round six. I he's, he's one I've talked to people and it's gone. I've gone back and watched and I just come away with the same opinion. I'm not super sold on him. I questioned where he really fits at in the NFL, what scheme and even what position. So it's not a big fan of him, but I mean, if he's there for me, I think that he is a sixth round grade from me. Um, trying to find his name to be certain on it on my board. Um, maybe, maybe fifth round somewhere around there. Sounds right. Like, so in that range, I'd be okay with it, but I'm just, I'm just not super high on him overall. Okay. Interesting. Well, those are some of the names that stick out to me. Um, not one more that's kind of smaller bodied, but uh, explosive all get out. Kayleon Barnes. I think he maybe ran the fastest 40 out of anybody at the entire combine. Um, way more athlete than football player right now, but uh, somebody else there that I thought kind of similar body type to Cam Taylor Britt. You have, you have thoughts on him too? Or you, I mean, just because of his speed, you have value at special teams. So you're talking discount there. Yeah, actually, I just um, wrote up his scouting report the other day, and one of the things I put on there is that his speed's going to get him drafted and earlier than people think. Like, it's does. just ridiculous speed. As offenses look to get faster, defenses are going to look to get faster. And it's not like his tape isn't bad either. He's a good defensive – or not good. He's a solid defensive back prospect that has upside for more. So, I mean, and then you add in that speed. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like JT Woods as well. Baylor just put out so many track stars this year. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I like him. I think that he'd be a little bit better working kind of like in a nickel as a, as a bigger yep. nickel than he, yep. outside. But, yeah, I, I like him. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for Rule to get fired from Carolina just so we can go back to the college ranks and start getting these track guys into football programs and getting their bodies and everything ready for the NFL because he has been a godsend and helpful for the NFL. And uh, time for you to go back. You know, you're better for the NFL if you're in college. Yeah. Um, my last guy here, and it's one that you gave me earlier, but somebody that I'm, it's probably one of my highest hopes for the Broncos at 64. Um, I would love Tyler Smith there, but it sounds like he's going to go top 40. So I'm, I'm keeping him out. Uh, Abraham Lucas. I like him. Scott likes him even more than I do, but, uh, 64 overall, I think he'd be a really good outside zone scheme fit long. Um, he had really good shuttles as well, which I think is like one of the best correlators for success of an offensive tackle. His jumps were good as well. I mean, he pretty much ticks every box. Is his run blocking great? No, but he's a really good pass protector. So I, I'm okay with that and uh, having a subpar run blocker there. 
uh, for that issue, especially at pick 64. So Abraham Lucas, I'd be happy with him there, but I'm eager to hear who your, your depth guy is there because tackles typically there's not just the body types don't exist, right? Like yeah. the farther you go down, typically there were two that I looked at. I ended up going with Vidarian Lowe. Both guys are guys that I haven't heard get talked about a lot. Vidarian Lowe out of Illinois. I think like Lucas, he's got good scheme versatility. He can play in either, sch- either scheme. Um, I can't, I don't know what he tested off the top of my head. Um, I know that he's solid moving on the outside. You got to work on his pass protection. So he's a better run defender or run blocker than Lucas. So it's kind of the flip side with that aspect of them. But the scheme versatility, I think they have similar size. And both of them, I think, have potential to be left tackles at some point down the road if you develop them enough. But at the very least, you're probably getting a good swing tackle out of both of them. And for day three offensive tackle, being able to find a swing tackle, that's good value. Another one is a guy who has to really develop on the football side of things. Ryan Vandermark out of Connecticut, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, tall, long, good athlete. Um, and just the football aspect, the technique of it needs some time in the weight room. So I kind of went away from him because that he's not quite as technical, technically sound as Lucas is in pass protection and low. I mean, he's not technically sound in pass protection either, but he's got the technique down as a run defender. So there's a bit of a technician aspect there too. Awesome. Well, guys, we are over an hour long. Um, we should be getting out of here pretty soon. See some boy and mafia and Ebiketti talk. Let's get to this one real quick and then we'll get on out of here. And thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we miss Lance, but uh, you know, sometimes things happen and uh, got to take care of him. So hopefully he's feeling better. Everyone, you know, shoot him out a message because I know he was feeling not very good. Um, EJ coming in. Do you guys think Boy Mafe, Nick Benito, Josh Pascal, or Arnold Evacetti will be there at 64? No. Yes. Yes. No. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I know Nick and I, we disagree on Pascal, but outside of Mafe and Evacetti, I wouldn't take any of these. I wouldn't take Benito or Pascal at 64 personally. I'd be okay with Pascal at 64. Benito's a good player, but man, I just, if you are a pass rush specialist and you bring me no value on first and second down, I'm not going to value that value that high. I want to be able to play less guys in the box. So that way I can play more defensive backs and stop big explosive pass plays. But that means my guys on the defensive line need to be able to hang up against the run. And I'm not using premium picks on guys who are, designated pass rushers unless they have the ability down the line projectable traits mass size body type where they can be that guy nick benito to me is the you know he's like the if malik reed is magic carp then nick benito's gyarados you know that kind of that kind of thing there's (laughs) there's my reference for scott scott always loves it when i make uh, pokemon references but uh just he's not my type of edge rusher i'm looking for much more of a power player that has versatility to kick inside and do a bunch of things and afford you the ability to play less guys in the box uh, as the season progresses. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And Benito's, he's one of those edges. I know we've talked about this um, privately, but Benito and Nagbar, uh, they're, they're two edges that I see going high. Drake Jackson and Majai Sanders are two others. I'm just not as high on them. They're all day three guys to me. Drake Jackson intrigues me some because of the tools he has and the youth. Um, and also yeah. the role that they had him at USC was odd. And he got up to like 270 for the USC Pro Day. That intrigues me. That body type, that athleticism, the the movement, the fluidity. I'm intrigued. If he can be up at 270, that's a weird, that's an interesting uh, profile. So he's, he's one at 96. I think I could live with the other ones. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not taking them top 100. 115, 116, maybe. Um, bad. Drake Jackson, 96. 
it de- it depends on other aspects of the evaluation, but it, and who else is there? But yeah, he of, of the bunch, he's the one that intrigues me the most. Yeah, for sure. I just I'm intrigued. I went back. I thought he's a little bit soft, but he was playing at 240 stand up, and I I don't know if that's his best usage. So at least I'm intrigued. You know, just because he yeah. didn't show some stuff on tape doesn't mean he can't because he wasn't asked to do it. You know, that kind of thing. So a little bit of projection there, but that's that's what makes the draft fun, right? That's what's great about. It. We're doing a lot of projecting here. Not projecting though. We're running over here. We got to get on out of here. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, please make sure what's our favorite mock site mile high huddle where Eric and Lance and everybody's dropping a bleep ton of uh, prospect profiles. So make sure you're checking that out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Todd um, guys. We're getting on out of here. Make sure you guys are following Eric on t- Twitter. Eric is at Eric trickle. I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you're following the show Twitter account at DVDD underscore pod and the mothership account at mile high huddle. If you haven't done so yet, please like the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle. And uh, please like subscribe and share our YouTube channel, wherever you are. I know that a lot of people, you know, they started to kind of maybe fall out of favor with the Broncos a bit. You know, why would I watch Drew Locke throw three interceptions or Teddy Bridgewater, you know, not make a tackle on a fumble when I could be outside doing something that I enjoy. I I get it. You know, that maybe you want to say those people are a bandwagon. I'm not going to say that they're just prioritizing their time. It's, it's all good. There's only, (laughs) only times one thing you can't buy. So, but that being said, things in Broncos country are about to be so much more fun. You don't want to miss out on the action. So make sure that you're liking, subscribing, and sharing to your friends, family, Bron- all the Bronco fans you know, bringing them in here. Make sure they're joining the community and having a lot of fun. Uh, so, Eric, before we get on out of here, also, one thing, give a shout out to Scott. Scott, thank you so much for working behind the scenes for us. Uh, we appreciate you. It makes the shows significantly better and easier for us when you have somebody uh, dealing with that because having done shows when you are hosting, commentating, reading the chat, and everything at once. Not easy to do. So thank you so much uh, to Scott as well. Make sure you guys are following Scott on Twitter, at Scout Kennedy. Eric, what's the rest of your night looking like? Well, I got to go run to, to Walmart, which, you know, might have hey. a connection to the Broncos here soon. Um, but eating dinner and hanging out with the family and, you know, the little one who's, you know, a little one, mm-hmm. soon-to-be five-year-old child, that's a pain yeah. in the butt. Sounds like fun though. <laughs> and Todd coming in, maybe you can ask this one too. I typically, I don't mess with the mock draft simulators unless we're doing them live. Um, but doing them enough now on different shows, I will say this site does a lot of good work, but I think their simulator is absolutely terrible. It's a uh, pro football network because at some point I'm going to get Aiden Hutchinson at 64. Like it's just going to happen. Like somebody today is like, Nick, your pro football focus draft was terrible. Look at my pro football network one. It's like, you're getting, a second round player in the seventh round, like constantly, like it's they their evaluation. I don't know what the hell they're doing with their big board. If they just don't open uh, update it. So I probably do PFF one followed by draft network. And I give PFF one because I typically never like what's available to me. So I think it's the most realistic <laughs> in that kind of way. If that makes sense. It's like, Oh, I'm picking at 64. I shouldn't have a guy that it's obvious to me. Um, but those two are pretty close, but I, football network, it's, they do good stuff, but the draft simulator, not for me. I typically like how boards fall from the draft network better. I think that's a little bit more realistic at times. Um, I hate, or I mean, pro football focus, not the draft network. I hate pro football network trades. I hate them. Hmm. I think that it's so, the AI with it is so bad. I think the draft network for, if you want to do trades, the draft network's a little bit better in terms of the valuation for the picks and everything. For sure. For sure. Well, 
as young hog coming in saying everyone have a good night uh we appreciate you guys so much michael also coming in talking about walmart said he works there uh shout out to walmart your boss there uh happy easter scott kennedy and your family um no happy easter to you eric and you don't have to give me one guys it's okay um we appreciate you guys we will see you tomorrow night for an episode of oh where's the hat there we go Mile High Insiders uh, with Luke and myself. We're going to have a special guest from Pro Football Focus, uh, Kendall Venezuela, uh, over there now working there. Used to work at uh, 104.3 The Fan as well. So make sure you're checking that out. Uh, But until then, you guys have a great rest of your night. Choose kindness. Choose compassion. Go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.